Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Uh, this week, some suspensions in the NFL, kind of a weird one, uh, gambling-related yet again, kind of like Calvin Ridley, half of it is at least, uh, but one involves rookie wide receiver, super talented wide receiver, Jamison Williams for the Lions. He was suspended six games. We'll get into that and how gambling... It's it's changed, obviously, over the years, so the rules, I think, might have to change as well to a certain extent. Um, NBA playoffs, of course, the Knicks take a 3-1 to lead on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Unbelievable game four that they had to go up 3-1. Uh, sensational effort by Brunson and R.J. Barrett, so we'll get to, we'll talk about that um, as the number one priority, as well as every other playoff series that has been going on. Only one series is over. One team got swept. It was the Brooklyn Nets against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Embiid didn't even play in game four, but the Nets were still, I mean, uh, the Sixers were still able to win against Brooklyn. So Brooklyn's out. Uh, We got a couple of 3-1 series. The Timberwolves last night avoided the sweep in overtime. and DeJounte Murray might be suspended as well for this le- this next game against the Celtics. Nothing's been announced yet, I don't believe. Um, I didn't get any alerts or anything like that. But uh, he's definitely in trouble because he bumped he bumped a referee on his way to uh, to the locker room. I'm kind of shocked that there hasn't been some type of announcement by the league yet for making contact with an official because that's a huge no-no. And then he continued to bark and chirp on his way out, obviously upset at the end of that game four against Boston. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into all of that. And maybe I'll, I'll chirp a little bit about secession at the end of the pod because that show is just... The writing on that show is incredible. Like, you really don't need a plot about anything if the writing is just exceptionally good. You know, like this is a this is a, that's a show about a bunch of rich douchebags. No offense to to <laughs> people who are rich, but like these guys are so obnoxiously rich and so detached from like normal society. You know, they live in their own their own world, um, and they're all like not very good people. They backstab and they and they talk behind each other's backs and they make moves behind each other's backs to undermine each other, and it's really not nice overall but you can't help but watch and root for them and for the for the Roy kids and all that and and just just fantastic fantastic writing on that TV show so uh let's start with of course underdog if you sign up to underdog using animal house as the promo code you get a 100% match deposit up to $100 Link is in the description of the podcast. If you can click on that, it'll bring you to a link tree. And then you can, it'll bring you to Animal House's link tree uh, URLs. And you can click on the underdog one. It'll bring you to the app store. And once you download it, uh, it will have the promo code already in there for you. So it's quick, easy. And underdog, again, will match. And you don't have to put in $100. You put in $10. whatever you want, they will match it up to $100. So, let's start with this NFL news here, gambling. It's it's obviously a 
a huge part of sports. Um, it's always been a part of sports. You know, sports gambling has been around for, you know, decades and decades and decades and decades. Uh, honestly, at this point, like over 100 years, sports gambling has been around. Right? Shoeless Joe Jackson and the Chicago White Sox were throwing World Series games. That's how long it's been around. So gambling's always been a part of sports, except now in today's society with social media and all these different apps and stuff, bookies are a thing of the past for the most part. You don't really have to use a bookie anymore. You get it's all legitimate and it's taxed and all that great American stuff that we get, right? Uh, it is a huge part of sports. It's part of the NFL, it's part of the NBA, MLB, like FanDuel, DraftKings. Uh, they're all sponsors for sports net for ESPN, for Fox Sports, for different leagues, right? The NBA has FanDuel, the uh, MLB has FanDuel. I think the NFL might have DraftKings. I'm not entirely sure, but they're all sponsored. Like all the uh, Caesars Sportsbook, Bet365 is not legal in New York, but uh, there's our Aaron Paul, right, who plays Jesse on Breaking Bad. He's a talk. Uh, what a sponsor, a talk person um, for Bet365. Uh, so there are a ton of sports books that are legitimized throughout the country that you can use and you can play. Here in New York, I think we only have three that are available to us. Um, Underdog Fantasy is a fantasy app, so that doesn't count. But in terms of sports books, it's, it's FanDuel, DraftKings, and Caesars, I believe, are the only ones that are legalized in New York. And then there are some, you know, obviously you go different places. There are some that are uh, legalized and some that aren't. And then there's some states that are still completely illegal. Like, uh, I think Texas is still, sports gambling is completely illegal there still. Uh, but it's not, it's just a matter of time before these states legalize sports betting and then these apps are able to be downloaded or, I guess, used um, in those states. So it is a huge part of sports culture today. and and, and Sports in general. So what happened was here, Jamison Williams. He's the he's the number one name here, right? Uh, he is a rookie on the Lions, very talented wide receiver. He was uh, had a torn ACL and missed mostly his almost all of his rookie year. He came and played in like I think a handful of games, but was only in for a, a fraction of the time. He wasn't on the on the field for a long period of time when he did play. Had a couple of highlights, though. He had a couple of really long touchdown receptions. But he was caught gambling on team facilities. So five players were suspended. Uh, Jameson Williams, Quintez Cephas, Stanley Berryhill, C.J. Moore, all on the Lions, and then Washington Commanders uh, defensive end Shaka Tony. So Williams and Berryhill, all of these were our wide receivers, obviously, on the Lions. So this was happening in like the wide receiver room, I guess. But Williams and Berryhill received six-game suspensions. Cephas, Moore, and Tony were all suspended indefinitely and can apply for reinstatement after the 2023 season. Cephas and Moore were both released by the Lions. So they're suspended for the year. They got released. 
their time with the Lions is done. They'll be back next year, ideally for them. Jamison Williams and Barry Hill, the reason why they were only suspended six games is because they were not betting on NFL games. The others were. And Tony also, I forgot to mention Tony. I mentioned the, uh, the actually, I don't know if I mentioned him. He was suspended indefinitely as well. So Williams and Barry Hill were suspended for six games because they were not betting on NFL games. However, any sports gambling or gambling of any kind that is done on team facilities or vehicles, so if you're on the team plane, the team bus, whatever it is, in the locker room, the training facilities, whatever, wherever you're at, right? If you're getting PT done on Lions facilities, like that is illegal. You cannot gamble of any kind on anything associated with the NFL or your NFL team on, on their grounds. You cannot gamble. It is illegal for you to do so as a player. Now, the ones who bet on the NFL games, there's no excuses for that. Like, that is just clear as day because gambling is, and I guess this applies to Williams and, and Barry Hill as well. Gambling is with sports like that, there has to be a hard line for players because if players can gamble on other sports, okay, fine. But now you're promoting maybe not great behavior from your players. Um, and we all know athletes like to gamble sometimes. Like Michael Jordan, notorious gambler, loves to gamble. Mostly table games, I think it was about. I don't know if he was ever really betting heavily on sports, but I know he was a huge casino guy. I loved going to the casino. So, like, that is, except, like, it's except, he did get grilled for it. He did get grilled for it. People were like, oh, you have a gambling addiction. And he was like, no, I don't have a gambling addiction. I like to gamble. There's a difference. Um, but there is clearly a line here where the NFL is in an interesting spot, as is every other. Um, team and and uh and league right that is associated with these sports books you have to have a hard line because then it starts to get blurry if you're obviously never allowed to bet on nfl games even if you are not participating in them happened with calvin ridley right he's betting on falcons games pete rose notoriously he's betting on cincinnati red games when he wasn't playing like he's betting on them to win you still can't do that he's the fact that these guys get suspended for a year and Pete Rose gets suspended from the Hall of Fame indefinitely is something that needs to be addressed like it always goes back to Pete Rose he's like the number one guy where you're like this is the all-time MLB hits leader that's not in the Hall of Fame because he gambled on games it's sad but with these guys in football like you're up you're clearly should not be betting on your own sport that's like the number one rule. Jamison Williams and Barry Hill, they got incredibly lucky that they were just betting on whatever else they were betting on. Probably, I would imagine, the NBA uh, playoffs. And they, uh, got, they got caught and they got lucky. So betting, like, that is weird to me. You know, th th there are leagues that promote the shit out of these sports books. Pardon my language. But they do. They promote the hell out of it. And it's on every commercial you see them. Uh, they have, you know, free th during the NBA, they have free throw timeouts where it's like 
during the first free throw. It'll go half screen and it'll go back to like Kenny and Chuck in the studio and they'll do like a fan duel thing. ESPN has it where they're like, oh, the next basket's going to be whatever. It's all pre-taped stuff. So it's not really like legitimate in terms of, yeah, I'm going to take their advice because they just get lucky if they ever hit. Those are all pre-taped. But still, it's like you're actively promoting it. And now these players, they're not even allowed to do it on team facilities. It, it creates this weird paradox where you're making so much money off of these sports books and, and all that. And then you have the players who are like, absolutely, no matter what, not allowed to use it on team facilities. Feels a bit weird, even if it isn't NFL games. Um, but again, it's a paradox because you have to have a hard line. You have to be like, this is, this is it. I'm not saying the NFL needs to change their ways, but it's just such a weird predicament to be in. Or any league has to change their ways because they're like, you cannot, I would imagine the rules are the same for the MLB, the NBA, the NHL. You can't bet on team facilities or league facilities at all. I would imagine it's the same, but they're very hard on gambling. Like no matter what the the scope of gambling looks like they are black and white man they are not going to allow you to do it so he's lucky the kid's lucky and he learned his lesson and i i could get what he's saying like or what what he's thinking because it's like ah you know i'm with my boys we're hanging out we're you know we're doing warm ups we're stretching we're shooting the shit whatever it is and you know you you place a couple i don't know what the dudes who were betting on the nfl were thinking they're just flat out morons cuz you just got to know that's the number one thing do not bet on your sport um but with williams and berryhill it's like ah uh, no harm no foul i'm not going to bet on the nfl i'm not you know i'm not that crazy i'm not going to do that that's not worth it Right, so let me bet. Let me just bet on like the the game that's on tonight, the NBA game that's on tonight, or uh, the baseball game that's on, whatever they're into. Um, I even if they were betting like ponies, that's fine too. You bet horses, all right, fine. Uh, you know it's not the NFL, so it's not really going to matter that much. That's really the the logic is the number one rule is don't bet on your own sport. But now they're not even thinking. Well, there's a rule that's in there that's like you cannot bet on team facilities at all. Uh. I didn't know about that either. I don't think I would be surprised if any type of fan or, you know, even as like an uh, aspiring media guy, right? Like, you know, I don't even that that's a rule that's like it's it's in there. That's like a byline of a rule because everyone knows don't bet on your own sport. That's an easy one. But to not be able to bet on team facilities, it makes total sense. Just not something that. I don't think everyone knows. Obviously, you'd think someone who actually plays in the league would know something like that. But considering Williams, you know, he was out a lot of the year last year. Maybe no one really, I guess no one told him. I have no idea. But it's dangerous, man, especially because it was so much easier for guys to not bet back then. Uh, right before all the, the sports books were legalized, you'd go to Vegas to place a bet or something like that or Atlantic City or you'd have a bookie right um and now it's like so easily accessible it's at your fingertips it's hard it's like eh, why don't i'll give it a whirl it's fun you know like it is an addiction for sure like i 
fully downloaded FanDuel knowing like I'm going to create an addiction for myself. Like I love gambling and I don't bet in large quantities, no unit shaming or not, but you know, you bet what you can afford. If never bet, my number one rule has always been never bet the amount you're afraid to lose. Right? So if you're going to bet $100, but you're shaking in your boots because you don't really want to lose $100, don't bet that, that kind of money, you know? Um, but the, because it's so accessible, it's like these guys, it's just pressure. Like, it's everywhere. You have sponsorships all over the league for teams, for uh, different commercials, different networks. TV networks have, the sports networks have different sponsorships for themselves DraftKings is ESPN and TNT's got FanDuel like it's it's insane it really is insane and that's just the the way it is you know that's like I get why they did it I get it um you just gotta be more aware man you gotta be smarter the other guys who got suspended indefinitely I have no no sympathies for them you that's just a bonehead move you can't be betting on your own sport it's like the number one rule uh, but at least Jameson Williams and Barry Hill, they got off the hook a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, just some some wild news because you never really see people get suspended for stuff like that anymore because they don't do it. And it used to be a, a huge scandal. And I remember Calvin Ridley got, when he was on his like hiatus, he got suspended then afterwards for betting on games. And it was like this whole thing like, wow, Calvin Ridley betting on games. like. Kind of stupid, like, you know, he's a little stupid for doing it, but you're just like, whoa. And now five guys at the same time got busted for betting, for gambling, sports gambling. A year later, or two years later, I guess. It's, it's crazy. It's like, this is what I'm talking about, how it's at your fingertips. This isn't going to be the last time we hear something like this. You know, this is, this will pop up. Ideally, it doesn't, and, and the people look at this and be like, ah, oh, good thing that wasn't me, and I wasn't gambling on my team's facilities. Now I know. Don't do that. Wait till you get home. <laughs> and don't bet on your own sport, obviously. All right. For the NBA, uh, we actually have, they had a couple of announcements for the awards. So Jaron Jackson Jr. won Defensive Player of the Year, and then there were a couple of other so clutch player of the year was the first one that's like one of the new ones that they had uh De'Aaron Fox won it by a landslide Mike Brown was unanimous coach of the year shout out to him obviously very deserving with the Kings and we'll get into that series too because they had a chance to go up 3-1 and they blew it because they're too young Jaron Jackson like I said defensive player of the year and Malcolm Brogdon unfortunately beat out Emmanuel quickly who I wanted to win um but Brogdon wins sixth man of the year. So still have rookie of the year, which was uh, rookie of the year is going to be Paolo Boncaro. That's pretty easy. Um, MVP, most improved we got to do. So MVP is going to be closed between Jokic and Embiid. Most improved could be Brunson. Um, probably going to be Larry Markkinen, but could be Brunson. So a couple more awards that we'll find out, I think, within the next week or so. Uh, but this past week's games the 76ers beat the Nets and sweep the Nets so the Nets had basically really won they had they could have won on Saturday they lost 96 to 88 couldn't pull it out even without Embiid in the lineup for Philadelphia 
Uh, their game on Thursday, I believe it was, was their best opportunity to win. They completely blew it down the stretch. Embiid got super banged up that game, and that's why he didn't play in game four. But now Philly, they're chilling. Philly's got a nice little rest. Embiid get, gets to rest up and, and, and heal up from getting nicks and bruises in that Nets series. Wild game that they had where Embiid somehow wasn't thrown out and then Harden was thrown out. It was a weird series, but it was the Nets, like I said. I, I think I said it last week. They'd be lucky if they won one game. Um, so not really any surprises there. The Suns, Booker has been lighting it up in this first series against the Clippers. Unfortunately, Russ, Russell Westbrook, shout out to Russell Westbrook, man. He has been playing his ass off, bro. Like, for real, has just been sensational this entire playoff series. And he's getting no help because Kawhi Leonard is out with a knee injury. Just he's been out all game. Like Westbrook on Saturday had 37, 6, and 4 on 17 and 29 shooting in 40 minutes played. He was 3 of 6 from 3. His jump shots back this series. He's hitting his jump shots outside of game one. Game one, he was horrible, but the Clippers still won, so it doesn't matter. Um, but Kawhi, he's been out for the last two games, and now he's not going to play in the next one either, probably, because he hasn't, he didn't practice today. So. It's just like, it's in, are, are Clippers fans done, bro? Like, are you not, are you guys not sick of this? Kawhi not playing. Paul George is now, bang, he's been banged up this, he was ruled out this series because of his injury that's been going on. Are you not sick of this? Aren't you tired? Like, I think it's time to move on. The experiment failed. It failed. Like, you gave up your future for Paul George. You got Kawhi Leonard there in free agency. And you, it failed. There's nothing left, bro. You have nothing. This team can't win. And they're certainly not beating Phoenix, who's just flat out better. Uh, but Booker and Durant both had 30-plus each in a 112-100 victory over the Clippers. They go up 3-1. And obviously, like, Russell Westbrook, try and try and try as he might. He's Without Kawhi, this team's shot. They just don't have anyone else that could back up Westbrook to like a, a strong extent, you know? So they're that shot, unfortunately, for them. And I think it's about time the Clippers just kind of give up. Because <laughs> they just they, they can't get it right, man. No matter no matter how hard they try, they can't get it right. Uh the Heat beat the Bucks in game three to go up two games to one. And they will play tonight, Monday night. Um, back in Miami, up two games to one. I believe Giannis is back out. Uh, is Giannis is back into the lineup. However, here it says right now, as of April 23rd, this, this is April 24th, I'm recording this, but April 23rd. So Hero is out, and it's listing as, as Bam and Jimmy Butler as doubtful. So. Not great for Miami, even up two games to one. Giannis is going to come back, I think, and just steamroll them maybe the rest of the way. if Because they won on Saturday, but Butler did exit early. And I think Oladipo, I think I saw he tore like a patellar tendon or something like that. It, I feel so bad for Victor Oladipo, man. The guy just can't catch a damn break. So, I mean, even though Miami's up 2-1, this game, this series might honestly end in... Seven. I mean, not uh, in six games. 
Like my uh, Milwaukee might just rattle off three straight wins here and call it a day. And then for the Lakers, oh boy, oh boy, do I got some words for the Lakers. Or for, I should say, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is a, he's a bum. <laughs> he's a bum. This dude talks and talks and talks. Then he point, turns around and points the media for painting him as a villain. Buddy, you did it to yourself. What's the, uh, the saying when you talk too much and then can't back it up? Um, your mouth wrote checks that your ass couldn't cash. Bad. He's bad, bro. He does. I got into on, on someone posted like a lowlights of, of Dylan Brooks against LeBron. And I said, Dylan Brooks is not a good NBA player. Like he is below average at everything. And that people coming at me and be like, you don't know ball. You don't know ball. And we're, people were honestly defending him and saying, oh, what about his defense? He plays really good. De- he plays defense on people that are fatter and slower than he is. Uh, up against any elite scorer, he gets cooked. He is not a good, he's, he's an overrated defender, if anything. He is a bad jump shooter. Before he got ejected on Saturday for hitting LeBron in the nuts, guess what he, guess what he was shooting? It's, it's really funny. He was 3 of 13 shooting, 1 of 5 from deep in 19 minutes. 3 of 13. He, he cannot shoot. He is a 40% shooter from the field. He's a 32% shooter from the, uh, from the uh, three-point line. Sometimes he gets hot. I'll give him that. Sometimes he gets hot, but he's in the NBA. You know, I'm not, I'm not a fool. He's in the NBA. Anyone in the NBA is capable of getting hot at some point, right? Especially if you're a perimeter player like he is. But he's a wildly inconsistent at it. Like, he'll pop off maybe once every seven games. He's not very good. Wildly inconsistent uh, shooter. He can't dribble. He can't get to the paint. He do, he's not a facilitator. He doesn't really rebound at an exceptional rate either. So what is he good at? Talking. I'll give him that. His trash talk is good. But when you, when you come at someone like... This isn't just a, a, a nobody who you're talking... This isn't like if they were playing... I don't know the Phoenix Suns, and he was talking about Chris Paul this way, right? You want to say Chris Paul is old and slow and you don't respect him? That's a lot different because Chris Paul can't go out there and physically assert himself onto your team. He's a small dude, and he has lost a step. He's still good. He's still a good point guard, but, you know, he's not the same Chris Paul he was. He, he knows it, but he has Kevin Durant and, and Devin Booker to back him up now. So it doesn't have to be. Saying that something about Chris Paul, I don't think people would care that much. Saying that to someone who is, at worst, the second best player of all time, and saying you don't re- he's old and slow, and you don't respect him unless he drops 40 on you, get out of here, bro. Like, those are fighting words. Those are fighting words. So then to play as poorly as you did after saying that stuff, Right after your one, as soon as he said that stuff, by the way, when this, this was after the Grizzlies win, it was tied 1-1. As soon as he said that stuff, I went around and placed a bet on the Lakers to win this series four games to one. And they're playing tonight. So that's one step closer if they win and go up 3-1. Um, and I had already had a future in on them to win the series entirely. So they're up 2-1. Brooks got ejected after shooting 3-13. He... uh. I guess attempted to go for the ball when LeBron was going 
going behind the back, and he hit punched LeBron basically straight in the nuts. Uh, he got ejected after having an awful performance, and then denied an interview interview times post game. He didn't want to talk. He has nothing to say. Now he has nothing to say. The thing with being a villain is if you're going to be a villain, you have to continue the shtick. Because now you just look like a coward, right? If you're going to talk shit, especially to someone like LeBron James, if you're going to go after the, the head of the team, right? One of the, the greatest player in my eyes to ever play basketball, arguably, at worst, the second best player to ever play basketball, if you're going to af- come after someone of his stature, you can't just drop the shtick because things didn't work out. What did you think was going to happen? You were going to go out there and shoot 10 for 10 and hit five three-pointers in a row? No. The worst possible outcome for you happened. And the most likely outcome happened is the Lakers came out the gate and beat your ass. They went up like 35. They went up 30 points instantly. Instantly. And then they coasted the rest of the way. And I think they only ended up winning by like 10 or whatever it was. Uh, But they coasted the entire game uh, after after the first quarter. Coasted. And there was nothing there. I mean, John Morant scored 22 straight points at one point and had 45 points total, and that still couldn't do anything. AD played great. LeBron played great. Like, the Lakers played great overall. They just played outstanding basketball, and they beat the brakes off the Grizzlies. Um, now, you could say, well, Dylan, if Dylan Brooks doesn't get ejected, that doesn't... No, actually, I think Dylan Brooks getting ejected helped the Grizzlies because he was missing everything. Brick after brick after brick. It felt it sounded like a construction zone. So he is he's not very good. Okay? He's just not. Um, so if he could maybe, I don't know, not make himself the center of attention and act like the role player he is and shoot five to ten times, the the maximum amount of shots he should be taking is ten. Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, and Desmond Bain should be taking a majority of the shots on offense when they are on the court. Dylan Brooks should not be shooting the ball unless he is wide open for a corner three. It's the only time he should be shooting. So I don't, I don't really get where he thinks he's at, but he's not there. And it was just so funny that everything went absolutely horribly wrong for him. His team got blown out early. He couldn't make a shot, and then he got ejected. Then he declines to speak to the media, and then he turns around and say that the media painted him to be a villain. And I was watching Sports Center this morning, sport, and uh, I think it was um, Tim Legler was on, and he was like, "No one has said anything to make you the villain. This is basically I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically all your own doing. You have no one has provoked you to say anything about LeBron. No one has provoked you to say anything about the Lakers." You have said this all on your own. There's been no outside influence, like, egging you on with this, with this trash talk and this rivalry. And it doesn't even, it, it doesn't even uh, start with the Lakers. It starts with the Warriors. Like, Dylan Brooks was doing all this talking, and the Grizzlies were doing all this talking to the Warriors last year in the playoffs, and then this year in the regular season. And that's where Clay points up his, and he points out his fingers, and he's like, four rings, four rings. Like, LeBron could do that too, but he doesn't. Nothing, nothing... At this point, if maybe 15 years ago, if Dylan Brooks was around, this would be affecting LeBron. Maybe 15 years ago. But now, 
after everything he's been through and all everything that he's won and achieved in the NBA, you think Dylan Brooks is going to affect how LeBron James plays basketball. It's it's so funny. So this is by far my my favorite new lopsided rivalry. It's because it's not really a rivalry. The Lakers, this is like that scene in Mad Men or Mad Men, excuse me, where um, what's his face gets into the elevator with uh, Don Draper and he goes, I hate you. And Draper just goes, I don't think about you at all. I feel bad for you. I don't think about you at all. Just the ultimate, like, I'm bigger, badder, and better than you. Like, I love it. I love it so much. Um, I don't feel bad for the Grizzlies. They, they're not a very likable team. So, uh, the Lakers are up 2-1 in that series. Miami's up 2-1 in that series against the Bucks. Won't take long for the Bucks to come back, especially if Jimmy Butler and Bam are all banged up. I don't know even know if they play in Game 4 tonight, but Giannis is back, so that's tough for them. Phoenix probably going to wrap this up in 5. They're up 3-1. The Sixers ended the Nets, and then we have uh, Sunday's slate of games for the rest of the series that happened here. The Timberwolves avoid the sweep from the Nuggets, they win 114-108 in overtime. Anthony Edwards continues to shine. He is he now has I think the second most 30-point games ever before the age of 22. He's uh he's 21 he tu- he turns um 22 in what is that? That's uh August 5th. So he has now, he's surpassed Kobe, was at number four. He was tied with Kobe for the most 30-point playoff games before the age of 22. LeBron, he has now has five. LeBron has eight. So that should tell you something as well. But he's been, after a horrible playing tournament, he has been popping off, uh, especially the last few games. He, in, he's playing over 40 minutes uh, every game. Since game, uh, since game three or since games two, he's played 42 minutes, 44 minutes, 45 minutes, and he's had 41, four and two, 36, seven and five, and 34, six and five. So he's just been playing great basketball. And now, I mean, the Timberwolves—they played as great as they possibly could. They finally beat the Nuggets. It's just took overtime to do it. Tough, man. Tough. Like the Nuggets have just been relentless on them, no matter how good he plays. It, it it's just I don't think they're they're just not equipped to deal with Denver unfortunately so this will probably end in a gentleman's sweep because now you got to go back to Denver which I think they will play they're playing on Tuesday is Game Five in Denver it'll probably end in a gentleman's sweep in sweep but they've tried man Anthony Edwards has played played great I I would have liked to see more from Cat um. In this uh, in this series, he's just not been playing very well, um, and he's not really shooting. He had twenty seven on Friday in a in a one twenty to one eleven loss in forty two minutes, but just nine shots, seventeen and eleven in thirty six minutes in the overtime win. It just feels like there's just not enough coming from him, um. I'll give credit to Rudy Gobert. He's playing pretty well this series. He's trying. He's trying his hardest. So that'll probably end in five. The Kings and Warriors. Some big news that just happened, according to Shams. 
Darren Fox is doubtful for game five versus the Warriors with a fractured index finger on his shooting hand. And I know exactly when it happened. It was a drive to the basket, I think. I remember him coming up and holding his hand. I thought he just jammed his finger. Turns out he fractured it. So that is probably dead. The Kings are dead. And I was just about to go on a huge tangent about how they have a real chance to win this series and they should have won game four, but they took bad shots down the stretch because they're too young and they didn't really understand what was going on. Like Malik Monk took a couple bad shots. De'Aaron Fox took a bad shot. Harrison Barnes took a bad shot. And he's not really young. He should know better for taking that sidestep three that he took. Um, And then Harrison Barnes missing the game winner there at the end, barely hitting back rim. Uh, just tough, tough loss. They, they could have won that game. It was a tough loss, but now you have to go back to Sacramento for it's, it's one and one the rest of the way. It's one in Sacramento, one in Golden State, and then one in Sacramento. If it goes to a game seven, now you got game five back at Sacramento with your best player out. Uh, losing that game to the Warriors when they didn't have Draymond Green is going to bite them in the ass because you'd have a lead right now. You had, you'd have some type of a lead right now. And now uh, it's not looking great. It's, it's, it is not looking great. I'm very upset because De'Aaron Fox is one of my favorite players in the league. But, oh my God, what a just a... God, what a brutal blow for Sacramento, bro. That is not fair. That is not fair for those fans and for that team that De'Aaron Fox fractured his finger. Like, that's just... The Warriors have a track record of being lucky in, in areas like that. And luck always has, has to do with it. Like, not... And they all... They've had... You know, if it wasn't for Durant blowing out his Achilles and, and Clay tearing, destroying his knee... Who knows how many championships they would have won in a row, right? Even if Durant leaves after that and then, you know, Clay comes back fully healthy, now then he tears his Achilles, right? It, it's, a, it's a nightmare for them in that regard. Uh, who knows how many championships they would have won? So luck is a part of it, and staying healthy is a part of it. And, you know, the Warriors have benefited. Obviously, against the Raptors, they didn't benefit in that series, but their first matchup with the Cavs and LeBron in 2015, Kevin Love and Kyrie were out for that series, right? Then they get a little bit unlucky with the Draymond suspension in, in 2016, but for the most part, they're relatively healthy. Uh, yeah, it's just like you luck and health is a part of it. So for them now, this is a problem for the league because Sacramento, I think, had a really, really good shot to beat them. Um... But if De'Aaron Fox is out for the rest of this series, I, I got to imagine he's going to try to go. He's listed as doubtful. So I got to imagine he's going to go out there for warm-ups and, and see what the pain level's at and if he can shoot. Because if it was his offhand, he's playing. If it's his offhand, he's playing. But it's his shooting hand. So that's a problem. Um, we'll see how it, we'll see if he's, if he's able to gut it out. But like, obviously he has a broken finger. Like, obviously that sucks. And that's going to be painful for him. Oh, man, that sucks for Kings fans. That sucks. I feel so bad for them. They lost 126 to 125 on Sunday. Now they go back to 
when they're playing Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday at 10 o'clock. Series, st- series tied 2-2. Two to two. Brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal injury for the Sacramento Kings. I hope he can play because I want this series to be competitive. But, like, those, the Kings will be back. They'll be back. They will be back. They are a well-constructed team. Darren Fox is a superstar. And Mike Brown is a good coach. He fits perfectly with that team. They are what they, he is what they needed uh, to be in the position they are. So I think they'll be back. They'll be in the playoff hunt again next year. Um, I mean, it's not over for them yet. But against the Warriors, you just lost your best player. DeMontis Sabonis has been a problem offensively this this series. I think Draymond's in his head. I think the Warriors are stifling him offensively. Like he, when he has the ball in his hand on offense, it really looks like he doesn't know what to do with it because they are sagging off of him mid-range. Anything more from 13 feet out, they do not touch him. He is all by himself and he refuses to shoot. Um, And then when he tries to drive to the basket, like they are in a great position. They either cut him off or they draw a charge. Like he really looks lost out there. He has no touch around the rim. Draymond's blocking him left and right. He's in his head. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, Monk has played relatively well. He had a couple really bad shots on the, at the end of that stretch on Saturday, or on Sunday, I should say. Um, Kevin Herter is all-time bad from behind the arc this series, which has, I mean, the Kings in general have not been shooting well from behind the arc this series. They actually shot really well from three on Sunday, and they still lost, so that's a backbreaker for them. But they have not been shooting particularly well from three. Um, Kevin Herter has been really, really bad this series, uh, which has hurt them, obviously, because he's a, he's a weapon on offense, and the, the fact that he can't get anything to fall right now is not ideal for them. Sabonis just looks like he's lo- completely lost on offense. Um, Fox and Monk are really, they're trying to carry the load right now offensively. Now that Fox is hurt, maybe the, the Kings, Herder, need, Herder, Trey Lyles, Malik Monk, they all need to step up. Davion Mitchell's played great, respect to him. They all need to step up in the accidents of Fox. They need to shoot better. Easier said than done, obviously, but that's a tough break for them, man. I thought this, this series was going to be like Kings in seven, but. If Fox can't get healthy, man, if he can't somehow play well with a broken finger, which, again, huge ask, huge ask, and you can't pin it on him if he tries to go out there and play and doesn't play well, because at least he's trying. Ugh. Now it might be Warriors in, in six. I don't know. Anyway, Monday night's games, Bucks heat. I think the Bucks they're, they're going to, if, if Jimmy Butler and Bam don't play, they're going to steamroll. And the Lakers, Grizzlies, I already got a parlay into tonight. Anthony Davis, uh, over 24 and a half. LeBron to score 25 plus, And the Lakers to win. That is a plus 306 parlay for your boy. And I have my futures, of course. But I'm excited for that game tonight. That's on a 10. Which already be over by the time you guys are listening to this. Hawks and... Celtics are the only one I didn't talk about yet, right? And Knicks and Cavs. We're saving the best for last. So Hawks and Celtics. Uh, the Celtics are going to win this series in five. They're already up 3-1. DeJounte Murray is probably going to be suspended. I, I, I mentioned this in the beginning of the episode. I'm kind of shocked 
Nothing's come down from the league yet. But at the end of the game, he came up barking at an official and put his chest to his shoulder and clearly checked him a little bit. And then was walking away and continued to bark. And this the game was over, so the ref couldn't do anything about it. He couldn't like team up or anything like that. He probably would have been ejected from the game if this was during regulation time. Uh, but the ref was staring him down because he was like, oh, you you messed up. You you're gonna check me, you're gonna bump into me and yell at me. Okay, dude. So I'm surprised DeJounte Murray hasn't been suspended yet for at least one game. Um But he's a hothead, man. I don't know what's going on with DeJounte Murray, but he is, he's like, I don't know if he's a real tough guy or a fake tough guy, but he's certainly a hothead when it comes to showboating. And then when things don't go his way, he gets mad, bro. He get, he's got temper problems. He really does. That is a big no-no to make a, a contact with the, the official. No matter what's happening in the game, no matter how angry you are, you can yell, kick, and scream all you want. They'll give you a T, and that'll be the end of it. But... To make a con, especially the way he did, like he ran up on him and was yelling at him, and and his shoulder, the referee's shoulder, went right in the middle of Dejounte's chest. Like he squared up with him and gave him a little bump. There was very clear physical contact made between the two, which is a huge no-no. Like I said, I'm again, it's it's Monday, and this game happened on uh, on Sunday. I'm surprised that. They have not said the league has not come down and and suspended him yet. I give credit to Trey Young though. Trey Young's having a pretty good series, but it's just not enough. It's not enough. They're just just completely like the Hawks are completely outclassed by the Celtics in every way, shape, and form. Um, so that'll be Celtics in five. Now, the New York Knicks, baby. Oh my god, what a series this has been. Knicks are up 3-1. They steal game one in Cleveland in a tight one. Then they get blown out by the Cavs in game two. Then they blow out the Cavs in game three, which, by the way, a nice little uh, summation of game three where the Knicks blew them out was the Cavs were the only team in the NBA this season who did not lose a single game by 20-plus points. They lost by 20 points against the Knicks in game three. Also, there was not a single team in the regular season or postseason thus far that lost a game scoring less than eight, or I should say, a team that ever scored less than 80 points. In every game, win or lose this season, teams have always broken 80 points. Except for game three with the Cavs against the Knicks. They scored 79. Two. Pretty big defensive accomplishments there for uh, the New York Knicks. They have just been playing great basketball all around. Mitchell Robinson has been dominating Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Donovan Mitchell, um, he's had the uh, first two couple games he was playing well. The last two, not so much, especially this last game on Sunday. He was really bad. I think he had like four points the entire second half. He had, I think, less than 15 in the game. He was not very good on Sunday. Um, he needs help, and he's not getting it. Darius Garland, and this was, this was a game where, this is why I think the Knicks are going to go to Cleveland and win in five, is because Sunday's game was a game for the Cavs that they needed to win. They needed to split in New York, right? That changes the complexity of this series. 
uh, the complexion of this series, excuse me, because you're down to the Knicks, right? The Knicks at one point are up by like 15. Cavs cut it to nine at halftime. They come out the third quarter storming out of the gates, immediately cut it to like three points. They even take the lead at one point during the third quarter. Knicks are up, I think, by two going into the fourth. Garland is cooking it up. The Knicks have no answer for the pick and roll, led by Garland. Mitchell takes a back seat. Darius Garland's leading the charge to this comeback. Uh, the Knicks make adjustments and they figure it out in the fourth quarter. And down the stretch, the Cavs missed the shots they needed to make and the Knicks did not. And that was the difference. They ended up bringing their lead back. And I think uh, where they end up winning by 10 points, um, they were, or they won by nine points, 102-93. So they were sensational down the stretch. R.J. Barrett came to play, baby. Multiple games in a row. Now, he got off to a slow start this series, but the past two games, he has been sensational. Jalen Brunson, sensational. And the big eyesore this, like, this game on Sunday, this takes a lot of balls for a head coach to do, especially in the playoffs. Julius Randle got benched in the fourth quarter. It wasn't there on Sunday. Randle could not get a shot to fall, and we know what happens to Julius Randle when he cannot contribute offensively. He gets completely dejected and basically takes himself out of the game mentally. His effort plummets, and then he becomes a liability on defense. Tom Thibodeau tried to let it work, but the fourth quarter came around and Thib says, Nuh-uh, Obi Toppin's getting your minutes, Julius. And Obi Toppin played really, really... The motor on that kid is unbelievable. He is constantly sprinting up and down the court. He plays hard, good defense. And he can hit threes. He hit a couple big threes there for the Knicks, too. And this was without Quentin Grimes. They were down Quentin Grimes this game as well, who is a good three-point shooter and a good defender. So Obi Toppin got tough minutes quickly. Um... Brunson, R.J. Barrett, and Mitchell Robinson all played great. Like, they just, it was a great game on Sunday. And it still just is, gives me butterflies thinking about what Jalen Brunson has done to this franchise. Like, just the demeanor and, and the way he has been able to turn it around and, and rally this city behind him and the Knicks. Oh, my God, it's unbelievable, bro. Like, New York City... I've said it before, I'll say it again. New York City is a basketball city. It's all divided, right? Giants and Jets, Yankees, Mets, uh, Rangers, Islanders, not really. Like the Islanders have Long Island, but New York City itself is really a, a Rangers city. So that's not really so much. Um, but as a whole, New York as a whole, Long Island, the city, and then upstate New York as well, it's mostly divided, right? And then you have the Buffalo areas, the Buffalo Bills. I'm not talking about them. But it's divided through all these teams, but no, one's, no one in New York is a real Nets fan. Like, the people who are Nets fans, Brooklyn Nets fans, are people who were New Jersey Nets fans. There is no one who is, like, growing up in New York that's like, I want to be a Brooklyn Nets fan. Like, no, you were a New York Knicks fan unless you were a fan of them in New Jersey. They're like, they, it's just not the same. And if you go to a game at the Barclays Center and then you go to a game at MSG, you can just feel the difference in the atmosphere in those two stadiums. It's like one is uh, you're in Brooklyn. It's kind of a pain in the ass to get to. So you're there and you're with 
people who just feel like they're there for a good time. You know, they're there to hang out. They're there to, you know, the, you're there to hang out at a basketball stadium, like at watching basketball. But when you go to MSG for a Knicks game, everyone there is dying for that team. Like everyone loves the New York Knicks. There's just not that same relationship between fan base and team. And that's why New York shuts down. Like the the team, the fans, it's 3 o'clock, 3.30 on a Sunday afternoon. 7th Ad is shut down. 7th Avenue is completely shut down because the fans get out of MSG and they are going nuts in the streets, okay? And this was like, you could say, like, everyone talks about, like, you know, Bing Bong and all that video that came out after last year's first game of the season when they won in a double overtime game against the Celtics. That season ended up being a disaster. But now you're like in the playoffs. You're, last time we were in the playoffs, played the Hawks. Randall crumbled. RJ crumbled. You know, Derrick Rose was the top scorer for the Knicks in that series. Uh, it was not great. But people were happy because we're like, hey, we were in the playoffs. Like, it's only up from here. Then next season comes. Randall takes a step back. He gets really frustrated. It's a whole headache the entire season. They take a huge step back. They miss the playoffs entirely. Now this year, they're the fifth seed. Brunson comes in and just takes the reins of this team and drives them into a new direction. And he has just been everything you could possibly ask for for a free agent point guard to come in and do. Like everything they have asked him and everything they have... Ex every thing that they've expected of him he has delivered in spades bro like he has been unbelievable were and that's all the, the those are the only words i could say he's been un unbelievable because i just i can't think of anything else to describe this man he's just he's he's great he's great and then rj barrett like to come up with the shots that he did and to have a stretch in that game where he single-handedly stretched the knicks lead to six, eight, ten points by himself by hitting consecutive shots on O and one. Then he hits the floater on the baseline, the, fa the fadeaway little floater jump shot that he takes on the baseline. The crowd erupts. It's just there's nothing like playoff basketball at MSG. The weather's getting nice. People are outside. They're hooting and hollering. Everyone, this entire city is about the New York Knicks, okay? And this brings me back to my point with the series in general, the Cavs needed to win this game if they wanted to, if they wanted to, to keep it a series and have a chance to win. They needed to win this game because they were down by double digits. They ended up taking the lead halfway through the third quarter and they couldn't finish down the stretch. It's a demoralizing come from behind and then lose the game. And that felt like a game, like, if you're a Knicks fan for a while now, you, like, you were getting flashbacks. You were getting, like, PTSD. Because that is a game that the old Knicks lose. Up by 15 at one point, up by 9 going into the half, and then a complete collapse, and then it's tooth and nail the entire way, and then they blow it, and then the Cavs, it's usually flipped. The Cavs would have won by 9, 10 points. That's how that game used to be. That's how Knicks fans used to think. That's how the Knicks used to be. And now it's like, yeah, we may have lost the lead, but we're not going to give up. And we continue to play hard down the stretch. We made our shots. We played great defense. 
and here we are, baby, up 3-1 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. N- not even thinking about next round. No one's thinking about next round. It's here and now. You're thinking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're going to finish them off on Wednesday night in Cleveland for the first playoff series victory since 2013. 10 years, which feels, I mean, I can't believe 2013 was 10 years ago, but it's been 10 years since the Knicks have won a playoff series. So it is, I mean, this team, man, it is uh, Tom Thibodeau, like, there was a lot of, he obviously won coach of the year, then the down year, everything was in question. Do we trade R.J. Barrett? What's the deal with Julius Randle? Is he a cancer in the locker room? Is his attitude going to do us in? Is, is Thibs really the right coach for the job? Everyone remained intact. Intact. We didn't trade Barrett for Brunson. It wasn't just Barrett. It was Barrett and a slew of other players and picks for Donovan Mitchell. We didn't do that. So we keep Barrett, which a lot of people were like, eh, I don't know. And RJ's had his ups and downs. But he shows up when he needs to, man. He shows up. And that the Garden going into a timeout and erupting. They couldn't even do the karaoke thing. Like the, the people who were controlling the Jumbotron that wanted to do the, that timeout karaoke shtick. They didn't even do it. They paused. They held it. They, fro- they froze it on the Jumbotron because the crowd had erupted in R.J. Barrett chants. And they just let it play out. The teams are in the huddle, and the, the stadium MSG is going, R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett. Like, that is, that's what you love. Like, that is what you love, man. If you, if you deliver like that for the New York Knicks, man, they, it, the crowd goes crazy. There's probably not a bigger high in sports, honestly. Like, it's up there. The garden chanting your name has to be, like, a top five sensation in sports. It's got to be. So. Barrett showed up, unbelievable game. Brunson, he ended with 29, hit a dagger three over Garland. Um, it, I mean, Mitchell Robinson, I, don't, I feel like I haven't talked to him about, about him enough, but I'm going to say uh, this is a stat that my friend, shout out Mikey, AnimalHouseUSA.com. Mikey sent me this through four games, which is this series. Uh, Mitchell Robinson has a rim D defensive field goal percentage, a rim defensive field goal percentage versus expected. Uh, it's an analytic stack. I know it's kind of confusing. I, I don't really like these myself, but it's trying to give you just a sense of how good he has been protecting the rim. So he has a rim defensive field goal percentage versus expected of negative 22.4%. That means players are shooting 22.4% less than expected at the rim versus Mitchell Robinson. The best in the playoffs. He has been, he's only defended 5.8 rim field goal attempts per game. Less than Devin Booker because Cleveland is is so scared to attack him at the rim. That's like, I mean, again, I'm not huge into analytics, but that is what analytics are for. To give you a better picture of just how well this guy is playing that the box score might not be able to show you. He has been incredible. He is schooling uh, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Like, there are times where all three of them are on the court and Mitchell Robinson is surrounded by Cavs players 
and he gets the rebound. Like, he, he, he's been grabbing rebounds this series that he has no business getting to. And Hartenstein, too. Isaiah Hartenstein, unbelievable. He's been fantastic. Obi Toppin's been great. Like, the rotational players, all the rotational players for the Knicks. Miles McBride, Deuce McBride got some playing time because Grimes was out. He played well. Like, they, they just, everyone is contributing on all levels. Um, I think I said uh, Mitchell ended with 11 points. 5 of 18 shooting. 11 points. Um, but Randall, he ended up getting benched because he was 3 for 10, 0 for 4. Like, that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of resolve. Because it's like, he, you know, he's, one of, he's your top three player, right? Do I bench him? It's a close game. We're going into the fourth quarter. We might need him. Nope. Play the guys that are playing well and playing hard. Randall became a liability on defense as soon as he realized his shot wasn't falling tonight. Robinson at 12 and 11. Brunson at 29, 6 and 6. Josh Hart. Josh Hart, I went this entire time without talking about Josh Hart and I don't know how. Josh Hart is the single best trade acquisition the Knicks have made easily in the past 20 years. Easily. There's no, the, the, what he has changed for this team He'll give, he already told, he was mic'd up on Sunday. He told Thibs, he's like, I'll give you 48 if you need me to. Because Thibs said, you might be playing more minutes tonight. Because I would imagine, because uh, Grimes was out. And Hart said, I'll play 48 if you need me to. That's what the Knicks have always lacked. A guy like Josh Hart. He is the, the top of the pyramid of glue guys. You know, and, and the glue guy, that term might be overrated. But Josh Hart is the one, bro. Like, he hits big shot after big shot. He's not afraid to take the big shot if he need if he's open, he will do it. He makes the right play. He plays sensational defense, and I'm convinced he's a top 5 transition player in the entire NBA. Like when he has the ball in transition, the ball's going in the hoop. It doesn't matter if he passes it to an open man who hits a shot or he that transition layup that he has left or right, he gets it done, bro. Josh Hart has been amazing. He played 40 minutes, 19-7 and 2 for Josh Hart. And RJ Barrett had 26 on 9 of 18 shooting, and he was 0 for 3, 0 for 6 from 3. Uh, he had one shot. He had a couple that rimmed out that probably should have went down, but they didn't. But 26 from RJ on top of great defense. Uh, Obi Toppin had 5 points and 8 rebounds in 20 minutes of play. Hartenstein played 21 minutes, had 8 rebounds as well. Uh, McBride only played 5 minutes in the game, but he did hit a big 3. Uh, and his defense is good. And then quickly, quickly actually played horribly. <laughs> I said quickly played well before he didn't play well. He was 0 for 4 in, uh, in 19 minutes. Quickly actually has been struggling a little bit. I think the, pre- the pressure of the playoffs, I don't think he's really adjusted to it yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, quickly is, uh, he'll get it. He'll get, he'll fix it. He'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. I'm not worried about quickly. But those, those seven guys right there, really six guys. Because Randall didn't play in the fourth. So Robinson, Brunson, Hart, Barrett, Toppin, and Hartenstein carried this game. Um, oh my God. I love this team. I love this team. The New York Knicks, man. What, what a team. They just, they have Brunson, who is clearly the guy. Like Jalen Brunson, Kendrick Perkins actually said, Jalen Brunson's a top five player in these playoffs right now. And I agree with him. Jalen Brunson has been sensational. He is just, he, he does what it takes to win. And 
He's and Perk said this too. He's not flashy. He's not like a super sexy player. He's not playing above the rim, but he hits his shots and he hits them when they matter and he gets it done. And that's what you need, man. And he's right. He's not like a super flashy player. He doesn't have, you know, he's not six foot five, six six six, six foot six with crazy tight handles. He's not posterizing people. He's not hitting, you know, Steph Curry range threes. But he hits his shots. He's a mid-range maestro, and he hits his threes, he gets to the line, he's got a great floater, he's got everything working for him right now, he's a good passer. When Barrett, RJ Barrett, like, Brunson's the leader of this team, and he's, he's the star, right? He needs to play well for the Knicks to win. But RJ Barrett, is like, RJ Barrett might be the X factor, man. Because when he plays well, it's hard for anyone to beat the Knicks. Like, if, if Randall was, if Randall shot, if he shot, he shot three for 10, right? If Randall shot seven for 20, the Knicks win this game by like 15, 16, 17 points. If Randall even shoots a little bit better this game, um, the thing with Randall is, obviously, he gets dejected very easily. Like, when he can't get his shot to fall, when he's bricking it, when the, the, the jumper just isn't there, and then when he tries to put it on the floor and take it to the hoop and he's not getting calls and he's not making his shots, now he's fed up with the refs, he's fed up with himself, and now he's just out of it. He's not even playing defense. And that was the big factor. Because if he was showing big effort and he was playing hard defense, he was going after loose balls, he was, you know, going crashing the boards, trying to facilitate, pick and rolls, do something. Like, trying to contribute in ways other than shooting the basketball. Thibs probably would have let him play the fourth quarter. But because he, was, he had become such a liability on both ends, he, he had to ride pine. And that was the right move. And I don't think Randall really was mad at it. I think he understood that he was playing like shit and it needed to be done. Um, but again, that's not always the move that people make. You know? That's not always the move that head coaches are, are willing to make. And Thibs did it and it worked out. So the Knicks are up 3-1. I fully expect them to close this series out in Cleveland. Uh, at the very worst... At the very worst scenario, they lose game six in Cleveland, or they lose um, game five in Cleveland. It goes back to game six at the Garden, and they win the series there. And if the Knicks win a playoff series in MSG, oh boy, oh boy, that game would be Friday. The city would be burned down by Monday night. (laughs) If the Knicks won on a Friday night in MSG to win their first playoff series in 10 years, the garden would, would burn down over the weekend. The 7th Ave would be in flames. <laughs> All right, so like I said, Knicks in five, Lakers in five. Those are my predictions. So to round out, this is officially to round out the episode because it's official. Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets. They got it done before the draft on Thursday, which is obviously a huge deal uh, with draft picks and whatnot. So, the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, the number 15 pick, a 2023 fifth round pick. So, that's this year. So, they get the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers first, and 
the, the Packers' fifth-round pick. The Packers get the Jets' first, number 13 overall. The Jets' second-round pick, number 42 overall. A sixth-round pick this year, number two, uh, number 207 overall. And a conditional 2024 second-round pick that becomes a first-round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this season, which you have to imagine if uh, injuries don't happen, he's easily going to clear that. So two firsts, um, a second, a sixth, and yeah. And then the, so the Jets still have a first round pick this year. They get pick number 15 instead of 13. Doesn't really change. And I think that's a, that's not, that's not horrible. I thought that was going to be way, way worse. That is not, that is not a bad trade. Like I thought, I thought it'd be way worse. I really did. Like, I'm pretty surprised they got it. They got a pick swap in general. So it's official. There you go. I really, really didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, but that's not, yeah, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. If you're a Jets fan, it is, it is what, it is what it is. You got what you wanted. The Packers got what they wanted. Sure. I mean, you get, you still have a first round pick this year, which is nice, but you do have to give up the first next year. Uh, that pick swap, that is definitely, that conditional pick is definitely going to happen. It's going to go from a second to a first. Um, and the other picks, I mean, whatever. Don't, I wouldn't even think about them but to only give up basically one first round draft pick for Aaron Rodgers is not too bad I mean a first and a second round pick is not too bad like it's not ideal but you were never gonna I'd be I would have been shocked if they got him for anything less like if the Packers traded him for anything less than something like that um but if if Rodgers only plays a year that then it's bad but I'm under the impression he's gonna play at least a couple seasons with the Jets. Uh, but he's pretty unpredictable, so who knows? I would imagine if the if he told the Jets front office, "Hey, I'm only playing for another year," this would be a little bit different of an outcome. I I, I don't know. I, he must have indicated to them, Joe Douglas, in the front office, otherwise that he was going to be there for a, a couple years, um, even if he sign, has to sign like a one year deal after this year because I think his contract's over. But yeah, congrats to Jets fans. You get competent quarterback play for at least one season, so that's something to be happy about. Uh, we didn't really get to talk about secession this episode, but I don't know. I mean, whatever. Maybe next week. Secession's great. I love it. If you haven't watched it, watch it. All right. <laughs> so that'll do it for this episode from my point of view. Thank you all very much for listening. I appreciate you as always. Have a great rest of your week and weekend, and I'll talk to you all next Tuesday.